Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. I'm going to readdress a few of the stories that I touched on in the previous program, if time permits. But I will start off with two. One had to do with a so-called survey that was given to fifth-grade students in a Vermont public school. And this survey, so-called, this behavior modification survey, tests are used for the same purpose. I have experienced that as I have attested previously. But these surveys were designed, fashioned, crafted, intended to get into these children's heads, their minds, their spirits, and subvert them. And this was all permitted and allowed by the wonderful public school system in Vermont, land of free thinkers. Free thinkers who nominated a former male to be the Democrat candidate for governor. But this one little girl had the presence of mind not to turn her survey in, but to pocket it, take it home, show it to her mother. Her mother was properly, appropriately appalled at this. But she took to Facebook about it, you know, Social media, all the craze, and <laughs> that is able in a heartbeat to stir up great followings. So perhaps I should not feel the way I do about it. But these questions for 10 year olds included queries concerning the student's sexual orientation, whether they had been in a relationship, whether they had a sexual partner, 10-year-olds. Oh, but this was all absolutely legitimate for public education purposes, right? Well, the kicker is this that this so-called survey was not crafted or created or fashioned by the school system, but instead by a leftist political activist organization that they've allowed in to influence and corrupt the children. Now, when I've referenced a human sexuality course from college long ago, they did the same thing. They allowed in sodomite activists 
to attempt to persuade students. And they succeeded. Largely, they succeeded. But here and in a very short period of time, and those were adult young people (laughs) that were being persuaded. Here you have fifth graders. So this survey was distributed by this organization with the acronym WISE. (laughs) And any wise parents and any wise public education officials would absolutely summarily refuse to have anything to do with that. And such public education officials would contact all of the public education officials they know and insist they have nothing to do with it. And further would go on up the ladder and see to it that the state government would oppose this wonderful, beneficent, benevolent organization. But no. So this survey was distributed by this organization, a group that purportedly advocates against gender-based violence, which is very thinly veiled disguise for sodomite activism. (laughs) But, oh my. Well, as the mother of this little girl said, and even she stated the following. She should not take at face value what this organization says it's about or what it's going to do. But this is where this woman is, and this is so she's going to believe hook, line, and sinker, whatever they tell her, unfortunately. But, quote, the point of this survey was to follow my daughter and her peers throughout high school, collecting data on their sexuality and relationships for the next six years, and quote, not so, not so. These are fifth graders. This, she says, through high school, but in point of fact, it's more than six years to go all the way through high school, starting here with fifth grade. It's more than six years. And it is intended, again, as a first volley, and they will follow up on it, follow up on it, follow up on it, continually testing or surveying the children, using the questions to influence them, to subvert them, to corrupt them, to pervert them. Oh, things like that don't go on. Well, long ago far away when I first started hosting radio programs and TV programs, none of which I've ever been paid to do but have had to pay to do, not because the value or the quality is lesser than that of many that are paid, oh, I don't know, half-billion-dollar contracts and so forth, but because the messages are not the kind that decision-makers are inclined towards, nor those which they think would be materially successful, but profitable. 
But lo and behold, I was surrounded by members of a sodomite activist media organization that was creating three sodomite activist television programs, which they bicycled around the nation to all of the public access stations, which were all designed to bring sodomite agenda into mainstream America. And lo and behold, they and all of their like-minded individuals have enjoyed great success. They've had great funding from the George Soros's and the Ford Foundations and myriad, exceedingly deep-pocketed, charitable, nonprofit organizations over these past few decades, which have enabled them to achieve the success that they have in destroying America, the fabric of America. But the focus, the target of this group in this school, this is just one school that they are targeting, okay? Just one. And they're going to stick with it and follow these children, shadow them, stalk them, all the way to college. All the way to college, continually using their evil indoctrination to propagandize these children, to brainwash them, to corrupt them, to pervert them, not just to cause them to delve into exploring their sexuality in perverse ways, but also just rampant immoral ways, promiscuous, precocious, promiscuous sexual experimentation. These goals were not dreamt up just by some aberrant, deviant, sodomite, activist, extreme minority here in the United States of America. This goes back to Karl Marx. This goes back to Adolf Hitler. This goes back to Lenin. This goes to the core, the core value, if you can call it a value, of all of the extreme leftist organizations. Goes back to Amschel Bauer, who changed his name to Rothschild, Red Shield. This has been around for a long time with the Darwins and the others who have promoted such corruption. It is one of their cornerstones of destroying society. And just as Hitler targeted the youth with his Hitler youth, 
and with his group for girls, whom they threw together and brought forth a crop of all kinds of babies from teenage girls for the greater good, for the greater cause. Same thing in all of these socialist regimes, whether they call themselves communist, whether they call themselves fascist, whether they are Islamo-fascist, whether they are purportedly right-wing, when in fact they're all left-wing. But what they have in common, if you look at the foundation, at the core so-called values, the beliefs of these organizations, they are all diametrically anti-God, anti-Christ. They're also anti-Jew, and yet ironically, there have been any number of high-profile Jews who have been involved in these great causes, haven't there? But one of their facets is always sexual corruption. It is a key tactic that is used. And while it is used against young adults and adults and so forth, it is in particular focused on children because they are the most vulnerable in society. And this evil organization is going to continue its evil, just as all of the other such organizations will, until they achieve ultimate success, as if they haven't achieved quite enough success. (laughs) But I mentioned previously about this beautiful, outstanding Bulgarian investigative reporter, Victoria Marinova, who was raped and murdered and her body disposed of, a mother of a six-year-old girl. And the Bulgarian regime is claiming that this 21-year-old fellow did it, this one that they uh, had arrested in Germany, extradited from Germany, Perhaps, perhaps he did. But if so, chances are extremely high that he was employed to do so. This woman was involved in a couple extremely high-profile ongoing investigations at the time of her death. And she's been involved in such high-profile ones previously. And the one, one of these two that she was involved in here had to do with an ongoing investigation into corruption in the use of European Union funds for the broadcaster T as in tomato, V as in vegetable, N as in nation, or TV nation. She was also working on a program that focused on social issues 
involving charity work. But this young woman, this extremely gifted and brave, courageous, accomplished young woman, had managed to acquire powerful enemies and to believe that there was just this convenient street crime by this thug, this young thug, is to me, well, just a bit much. It's just a little bit too convenient. I'm just not willing to believe it. I'm not willing to believe it didn't have anything to do with these investigations, especially since two men who are investigating this corruption have been murdered, been assassinated recently. So, (laughs) or make that three, pardon me, three. There was, and I'm mispronouncing, mispronouncing these badly, I'm sure, Caruana Galizia assassinated in a car bombing in October in Malta. October as in (laughs) this month. Jan Kusiak was assassinated in Slovakia in February. And the third is either somebody whose name I'm not coming across or it is her. (laughs) And I'm thinking it's her. But the point is, these others were assassinated directly in connection with this investigation that she too is conducting or was conducting until she was raped and murdered. It was important that she be raped so it not appear to be an assassination. Not that such things are ever done. You know, it's like bringing down an entire airline full of people in order to get to one. We have a certain former president and first lady who are well-versed in such (laughs) tactics. Meanwhile, in Detroit, Motown, perhaps you've seen this about these babies and these pre-born babies, bodies that have been discovered now at two Detroit funeral homes. Yes. I think it's fascinating that city, state, and federal investigators are forming a task force to investigate to investigate the murder of these babies? No. No. To investigate the improper storage of human remains. Isn't that heartwarming? Isn't that a great use of tax dollars? To investigate the improper storage of the bodies of these babies and preborn babies that have been murdered, systematically slaughtered. Well, yes, these particular funeral homes, Perry Funeral Home and Cantrell Funeral Home, were found to have heinous conditions. 
shocker there. What do you expect from the abortion industry and its tentacles, the induced abortion racket? Perhaps you saw that the United States commander in Afghanistan narrowly escaped being assassinated. He was the number one target in this assassination attempt, which was also targeting a top Afghani police general. But United States General Austin Scott Miller, he escaped without wounds, without injury, this attack, this terrorist attack by the Taliban. It was carried out by a group, supposedly, and yet what I saw was word of there being an individual attacker who was wearing the uniform of an Afghan soldier. And he opened fire within the governor's compound right after a major security meeting had taken place. So I saw where it was listed as just this one attacker, but then also stating that a group carried it out. So I don't know what to believe on that, except again, it was intended to destroy Afghan officials, this police general, this commander, as well as the top-ranking United States of America general in Afghanistan. But also on the front, if you will, with the United States military, something here that is going forth under the direction of our president, the Donald. Yes, For the first time in United States Army Forces Command history. You're saying United States Army Forces Command? What is that? So it's not stated as being history, but United States Army Forces Command history. A woman, Lieutenant General Laura J. Richardson is going to be in charge, in charge of the largest single command in the U.S. Army. She will be in charge of more than three-quarters of a million soldiers and almost another 100,000 civilians. Oh, she's so deserving. And this is so good. I mean, this is such a great step in the right direction. So now, when this nation is overthrown, we will have a woman at the helm of the U.S. Army. It just doesn't get much better than that. Again, the work of our president. Speaking of our president, but before I do, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Whatever's right and true and good within this program, about this program, is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is wrong, erring, lacking, needy in this program is 
on me. Okay, but speaking of our commander-in-chief, who is delegating to Laura Richardson, (laughs) the largest command within the U.S. Army. Speaking of our president, his chip-off-the-old-block son-in-law, who is just so much like the Donald, so very much like him. But Jared Kushner, chip off the old block, but not his dad, but the president. Maybe his dad, too, but definitely of the president. He's the apple of the president's eye, along with his daughter, Ivanka, but who is married to Jared Kushner. But Jared... has a serious problem, and that is as much as he wants to pay U.S. taxes, federal income taxes, he can't do it. No, because he keeps having these massive losses on his real estate dealings. Oh, my gosh, really? I thought he was supposed to be so successful, so super successful. Well, yes, he is super successful at evading taxes among other things. But, you know, slumlord on the side, a few other things. But, you know, the, the narrative with regard to Donald Trump, one of the narratives is that he started, no, not with nothing, but only one million, and he built it up to billions and all of this stuff, and it's, it's a house of cards. It is a sham. But, With regard to Jared, it's the same thing. He started with nothing, and there he is, a mere schoolboy in college, and he's well on his way to his first billion and so forth, and just uh, just this Midas touch, uh, Midas touch with, you know, being slumlord and, and receiving millions and millions to play with and so forth. He's a smart guy. I don't question that he's intelligent. Or at least that he has intelligence within that sphere of real estate investing and uh, wheeling and dealing like his father-in-law. But here in this particular span of time, which was how many years Hmm. Four years, four years. He apparently had property sales of two point three billion. So in other words, you know, that's just a mere quarter of ten billion. <laughs> but no taxable income. That's right. No taxable income. It's amazing. And there was tax legislation that was passed last year, and it eliminated a particular tax shelter loophole for all industries except for real estate. (laughs) Uh, Just coincidence. I mean, just sheer coincidence. Don't go thinking anything ill of anybody with regard to that. No. But... Anyway, 
Again, a chip off the old block. So don't blame him unless you're willing to blame the father-in-law. But one of these things that he's enjoyed so much is using massive amounts of depreciation of his assets because we have these crazy, man-made, corrupt, rigged laws, Mr. President, rigged, that, among other things, assume that buildings' values decline every year, even if, in fact, their values are increasing dramatically. And so, funny accounting, fake Accounting, you know, like fake news, fake accounting, fraudulent accounting allows fraudulent sham depreciation to be taken and to offset gains and thereby to circumvent tax law that makes any sense. But, oh, well. Jared Kushner, Donald Trump, two peas in the same pod, generations apart, of course. But speaking of Donald Trump and Jared Kushner, you know, they have so much in common. For instance, they have a very, very strong, spelled wrong, relationship with Crown Prince Mohammed Ben Salman, Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. None other than the one who just happens to be at the heart of the assassination, the torture, murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Now, Jamal Khashoggi... Am I in agreement with him on his championing of the Muslim Brotherhood? Heavens no. (laughs) Absolutely not. But you see, Jamal Khashoggi, he became a critic, a vocal, outspoken critic of the Saudi Arabian regime and of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman in particular. And that is a very dangerous thing to do. And he foolishly imagined that as long as he wasn't in Saudi Arabia, he would be okay, even in a Saudi Arabian consulate, in in another Islamist nation, in Turkey. He'd be okay. Well, he wasn't okay. (laughs) But despite the vicious, sadistic, ruthless assassination that was committed in that Saudi consulate, our president, Donald Trump, who has a very strong relationship with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, is not going to permit... Anything, any little, you know, aberration like that to interfere with the larger picture. To quote our president, 
Quote, I don't like the concept of stopping an investment of $110 billion into the United States because you know what they're going to do? They're going to take that money and spend it in Russia or China. End quote. Yes, the Trump administration, courtesy of the Donald and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, signed a $110 billion defense deal with Saudi Arabia in May 2017 for the United States of America to supply Saudi Arabia with $110 billion worth of defense weapons systems. Saudi Arabia, which has the largest strongest, most state-of-the-art air force in the Middle East. Their pilots train here in the United States of America. They come to U.S. Military Academy, which is supposed to be limited to United States citizens. But why not? I mean, you know, it just it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Really. For us to have this kind of exceedingly close, dare I say, intimate relationship makes all kinds of sense. Well, dear old crown prince there, a number of the men within a 15-man hit team that was dispatched from Saudi Arabia to Turkey, arriving the day before and the day of the torture, interrogation, assassination of Khashoggi and departing hours, mere hours thereafter, flying back to Saudi Arabia out of harm's way, included three or four agents extremely, extremely close to the crown prince who directly serve the crown prince. But amazingly enough, the crown prince, you know, he's not involved. (laughs) It's great. He's not involved. And Saudi Arabia has finally been pressured into doing something. So they have now gone and chosen a scapegoat and they're claiming, well, yes, he died, but it was accidental. And it was a fistfight, a brawl that he of course started (laughs) You know, it's just just tragic, but these things happen, don't they? Well, no. (laughs) These things don't just happen. But the United States of America, under this administration, dare I say regime, is not going to be bothered about such little things as this. Meanwhile, Saudi Arabia's Istanbul Consul General Mohammed Otaibi left the country, left Turkey before he could be interrogated, (laughs) not tortured, not murdered, just interrogated. Yes, but it's all good. It's all good. So... Jamal Khashoggi, 
someone who is guilty of being a little more of a free thinker than the Saudi regime wants. And again, he sides with Islamists who are anti-Saudi Arabian regime. So I can understand the Saudi Arabian regime not being pleased with him. And when you consider how this regime operates and how all of the Islamist regimes operate. If you imagine that there is an Islamist regime out there that does not operate this way, you really are deceiving yourselves. But they are all vicious, murderous regimes because of their foundation in Islam from Muhammad, mass murderer, terrorist, supreme. But just imagine that Saudi Arabia, with its absolutely stellar military, especially its air force, let's just suppose, hmm, that the United States comes down on the wrong side of history again, that after backing this wonderful regime forever and a day, that lo and behold, it falls, and one of these other Islamist groups takes over and makes it their regime. Who are they going to rain fire down on with their military, with their air force, other than Israel, of course? but also any U.S. forces anywhere near there, just as the Iranians launched ballistics missiles at United States targets in Syria and in the vicinity. But this one particular aide-de-camp to Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who was with him on his trips to the United States of America and so forth, and at his elbow, he entered the Saudi consulate in Istanbul in three and a third hours before Jamal Khashoggi entered and was immediately attacked by a gang of 15 whom this man was in charge of. (laughs) This man then, after leaving the consul general's home, checked out of his hotel with a large suitcase, and he left Turkey and was away. Another member of the group was a body double for Khashoggi and dressed himself in Jamal Khashoggi's clothing and walked around public venues to be seen, to be photographed, for people to imagine that it was Jamal Khashoggi and that he had left the consulate. Remarkable, really. Well, he left the airport 
Again, same day. Left from Turkey via air the same day. But again, this was accidental. It was unintentional. It was a fist fight that broke out and that Jamal Khashoggi began. You know, these poor guys had to defend themselves from him, I guess. And they just inadvertently killed him. So then, of course, then they had to dismember him. I mean, it just, you know, and, and uh, secret his body, remove it from the country. It just stands to reason, doesn't it? Oh, well. But again, our president and his administration, they are carefully looking at all possible information so that they don't go making a mistake in, you know, rushing to justice or overreacting. Well, Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, finally spoke the other day. And he summarily rejected this bogus story from Saudi Arabia's regime. And he stated that, quote, the information obtained so far and the evidence found shows that Khashoggi was murdered in a ferocious manner. And that on the day before Khashoggi was murdered, that a team of consular staff carried out a reconnaissance mission at a couple locations. And that a 15-man strong hit squad flew to Istanbul, arriving on a private jet the day before Khashoggi died and two other teams. It was separated into smaller groups, subgroups. So two other teams, including multiple generals, arrived on the day of his appointment. Furthermore, that Hours before he entered the consulate, security cameras were disconnected. Have you seen the Bourne Ultimatum? Do you remember the scene from Waterloo Station in which the CIA is going to take down Jason Bourne and the reporter for The Guardian? And they have all of these other agents there in Waterloo Station. They pull them all back except for one assassin who's on the same level as Jason Bourne. And they turn all of the security cameras away. Same thing essentially happened here. Except instead of one assassin, a gang of 15 or more. But this murder was violently planned and carried out by this hit team who then immediately left the country. But 
Meanwhile, interestingly enough, belongings of his, which he did not take into the Saudi consulate, turned up in a Saudi consulate vehicle they were located. Just, you know, just one of those remarkable things. But anyway, our former CIA director, Trump's kind of numero uno man, stated that we have this long-standing historical relationship of great importance, great significance with Saudi Arabia that goes back to, I believe, 1932. And we cannot endanger that, over jeopardize that over, you know, some aberrant act like this. Certainly not. That's right. We've been closest of kin bedfellows with this Islamist family regime going back to before it did everything in its power in cahoots with Hitler's regime to eradicate Jews from the face of the earth and then following the fall of Hitler's regime, which he managed to escape, not by suicide, but then following that, they did everything in their power to annihilate the Jews in Israel after it became the modern state of Israel, immediately after it was announced that it had won statehood, that it had been granted that by the UN of all things. But, oh, we are closest of friends, most favored nation status with Islamist regime Saudi Arabia. Why should the Trump administration, Trump regime, do anything differently than the Obama-Biden regime, the George W. Bush-Dick Cheney regime, the Bill and Hill Clinton, Rodham Clinton Regime. Why should it do anything differently? <laughs> Can't imagine. Perhaps you saw that there was this international fleet gathering that was to take place in South Korea, off the coast of South Korea. And they come together, all of these nations, and you would think, well, South Korea, okay, South Korea would be perhaps aligned with, of all places, Japan, despite <laughs> World War II episodes, perhaps with Japan <laughs> and with Taiwan and with the United States and so forth. Well, it just so happens that there are 14 countries, 14, and... Lo and behold, they include nations like the Russian Putin regime. How does it make sense to have any kind of engagement, any kind of operations with the enemy? How does that make sense? Oh, it promotes peace and goodwill worldwide, I suppose. But anyway...
South Korea insisted that Japan not fly its rising sun flag. You know, going back to World War II, not fly that flag that was an offense to South Korea because of the sex slave trade, uh, enslaving South Korean women for use as forced prostitutes for the Japanese troops and so forth. Well, lo and behold, Japan proudly refused to cease and desist from flying that flag and insisted it was a matter of national honor and so on and so forth, which is, you know, fine and dandy. But what got me was that this whole gathering that, that happens regularly that it includes nations which are in point of fact the ones that will be responsible for the destruction of South Korea, ones like North Korea, and the destruction of the United States of America, ones like Putin's Russia, and so forth. So I just thought that was rather remarkable. Meanwhile, perhaps you saw that the Chief of Interpol, the former chief of Interpol. He was chief of Interpol up until just, (laughs) what was it now, Uh, two weeks ago? From China, from communist China, the chief of Interpol, international police, is from communist China, Meng Hongwei of China. Yes, but he's been swept away. (laughs) He traveled from Paris back to Beijing and disappeared. And meanwhile, he supposedly was caught up in a corruption operation, was found to be involved with his hand in the cookie jar. But lo and behold, interestingly enough, Xi Jinping has been using these so-called corruption investigations to deal with opponents. And if you know anything about communist regimes, you know that there are always purges and purges, just as there were in the Nazi Third Reich. There's always fear of competitors. And there's always proactive action to take down any perceived possible threats. And those threats keep changing. Well, this fellow was not only chief of Interpol, he also was a vice minister of public security in communist China. He was based in Lyon, France at its headquarters, living a good life. But he went back to China, and who knows if he'll be seen again. Hmm? But you see, Xi Jinping, he uses these so-called corruption investigations to deal with all enemies of the state. He has used such against Christians to a very great extent. All was under the pretense of national security.
you know, and corruption. Those are the, the two twin towers there that they are being arrested and being imprisoned for national security reasons and because of corruption. Well, this fellow, Ming Hong Wei, he got too big for his britches, I guess. So, what a fall. How are the mighty fallen? But something to look forward to is greater cooperation with the communist Chinese as Xi Jinping continues to consolidate his power. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.